We have been in a series all about the mind, mental health, emotional health. We've been going for about five weeks, and today we're continuing that series. I want to talk to you about mood swings. Mood swings. Turn to the person next to you and say, what mood are you in right now? Yeah. Some of y'all, you already know what mood she's in. You already know what mood he's in. How many of y'all got some moody people on your row right now? They just came in with a mood. Don't raise your hand. They're, they're like, you're going to make them in a worse mood by raising your hand. The truth is all of us have moods and all of us sometimes have a bad mood. Uh, and, and you know what? The, the reality is um, having a bad mood isn't always like bad. Um, there was moments in the Bible where Jesus didn't have the best mood. Like he, one day he walked into the temple and he was in like, he was in a mood. He was in a mood. Like he, he walked into the church service and people were selling stuff, buying stuff and cheating people and, and it was bad. And, and Jesus pulled out a whip and he was like, watch me whip. Watch me. Like Jesus went in there with a whip. He started whipping in the temple. And he started turning over tables. He was in a mood. There was a moment when Jesus showed up and one of his friends had died. And he wasn't laughing. He wasn't dancing. He was crying. Like he was in a sad, it was a sad mood. It's okay if you're not always in a happy mood. But the truth is God wants us to have control to master our moods. That our moods would not master us, but that we would have power in those moments to not let a temporary mood become a permanent mood. To not let a, a temporary setback, a temporary frustrating, irritating thing turn into a season of just carrying a depressed mood, a bad mood. And so this is a message about mastering your moods. If you have a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Yes. And, and this guy, he had been preaching, King Solomon. He was like preaching a sermon. He was sharing some great stuff. And then he gets to his main point and he goes, okay. Everything else was good, but this is the most important point. Like, if you walk away with anything I preach, this is the one thing you need to remember. So he says this in verse 23, above all else. Everybody say, above all else. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Immediately, when I was a kid and a teenager, I used to translate this as like, don't date the wrong person. I don't know why. I just always thought it was like, guard your heart from getting in the wrong relationship. But the reality is this scripture means so much more about your mental and emotional health than about getting in, in a relationship with someone or letting someone know about your feelings or whatever. Like this, this verse is really the key to mastering your moods. King Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from your heart. You may not think you make emotional charge decisions, but the reality is everything you do, every decision you make has some emotions connected to it, has a mood connected to it. So you came to church today because you had a mood to come to church today. Some of y'all stayed home and watched online because you were not in the mood to see some people at church today. Some of y'all walked a certain hallway in the church because you are not in the mood to walk down the other hallway. Some of you avoid certain people because you are not in the mood to see certain people. Some of you, you, you have a hard time going certain places because of the mood that it puts you in. And the, the definition of mood means a temporary state of mind or feeling. The, 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 the dictionary gives a few sentences of describing what a mood means. He appeared to be in a very good mood about something. Someone had put her in a good mood all week long. 
A mood is expressed. It's on our face. We wear it. We, we, you can even feel when someone's in a bad mood. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You could feel it when one of your family members is in a bad mood or a happy mood. You know what I'm talking about? Like someone said it to me last week. I was walking into a meeting. They're like, you're in a good mood. I was like, well, hopefully I'm always in a good mood. They were like, yeah, but you're in like an exceptionally good mood. And then there's been other times where they're like, you're in a mood. Whatever happened, like you are in a mood and you need to fix your mood. You need to fix your attitude, right? A mood is something we carry. It's a feeling, it's a state of mind, and it's expressed. There's even mood music, music that puts you in a mood. Like Ash and I, we just had our fifth baby, so we know about mood music. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, by the way, did you guys know we had our fifth baby? Have you seen her? She is so cute. Let me throw up a picture of our fifth baby. Where, where is she at? Where's baby Gianna? There she is right there. Gianna Grace Darty. Look at her. So cute. Yeah. But she came from some mood music. You know what I'm talking about? Play, play that song. I'm just, just show you what I mean here. Turn it off. It's church right now. What? I'm trying. Listen. Well, I'm trying to get the married people in a mood right now. Ashley and I are adding to the church daily. I need you guys to do your part. We've already, we, we finished. That was our final fiesta. We had our fifth kid. But you know, there's music that just puts you in a mood. You're like, ooh, you, you feeling that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, you feeling that? <laughs> there's like, there's a playlist I have that just, Y'all, I, I can already feel the emails are coming like he played Marvin Gaye in church. But there's other, mu <laughs> there's other music that puts me in a different mood. There's music that gets me pumped, like I'm, I'm ready to work out. There's music that stirs me up. Go ahead and play that next song. Just gets me, yeah. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity, all right, cut it, cut it, cut it. Y'all are like, what is happening? Eminem is being played in church right now. We need to stop. I'm trying to tell you that there is music that puts you in a mood. My kids have music that gets them excited. Go ahead and play that kid's song. You guys, you want this kid. <laughs> I can already feel the parents like, please turn it off. We had to listen to it in the van ride. The whole, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> Anyone with toddlers, you, you play Baby Shark. Where's the Baby Shark parents at the, in the room? Like, music just gets your kids happy, excited, and gets you annoyed after the hundredth time of Baby Shark. And, and then there's music that kind of makes you sad. Like, there's music that just puts you in a sad mood. Some of you guys like this stuff. You're like, ah, oh, I just want to feel. <laughs> Go ahead and play that sad song. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I We have music that puts us in like a sad mood. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's music that just gets you happy. Like you just get excited. You just want to dance. You know what I'm talking about? Go ahead and play that next song. Cut 
got to stop. <laughs> I forget there's people out here. Sometimes I'm just like, there's music that puts you in a mood. Back to the sermon here. <laughs> Where was I going with this? I don't know. I, I just wanted to dance. I just want to have some fun. You got to enjoy. Listen, you can't endure something you don't enjoy. And, and, and I'm catching my breath here because I've been doing push-ups and I've been dancing. So just... John 15, verse 11. Let's go to the Bible. Jesus said this. He said, I tell you these things so that you might have joy and that my joy would be inside you. Like Jesus wants us to live with a joyful mood, a joyful disposition. Jesus and joy are not opposites. Church and joy should not be opposites. Like church should be the happiest place in the world, right? My kids, they, t they love coming to victory. Like, to me, church should be something we enjoy, not something we endure. Following Jesus should be something that brings joy to your life. There should be a difference between Christians and non-Christians. And I don't just mean, like, what we do and what we don't do. I mean, like, the moods that we carry. Christians should have a better, stable, sustainable mood that's not always fluctuating, happy one day, sad the next day, angry at people one day, frustrated, irritated by people. We should have a sustainable joy. Jesus said, I tell you these things so that my joy may be complete inside of you. And Jesus said, the, the enemy cannot steal this joy that I gave you. The thief cannot steal. The devil cannot take the joy that I gave to you. The only way the devil gets your joy is not by taking it, but by you giving it to him. What causes a mood swing? What causes people to go from a happy mood, a good mood, to a bad mood? The definition of mood swing means an abrupt change of mood, an intensely fluctuating mood, like a roller coaster from happiness to anger, from a sense of contentment to a place of depression. And let me just say this right now. If you have mood swings or you're a moody person, you're not bad. <laughs> In fact, there was a lot of men and women that God used in the Bible that were moody people. They had mood swings, like Elijah was one of them. David was one of the biggest mood swingers in the Bible. This guy, if you read Psalms, it's just like, whew. But they all learned how to control their moods. They all learned over time how to master their moods. That's what God wants us to do, is he wants us to get to a place where we might feel something negative. We might experience something negative. Jesus said, you will have trouble. You're not exempt from bad days. You're not exempt from moments where you feel sad. But you shouldn't be living in a constant state of depression. And you shouldn't have one day where you're happy and the next day where you're sad, where it's constantly like a roller coaster. The heart can be tricky. The heart can deceive you into believing certain feelings. J Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all else. So sometimes people will say, well, follow your heart. If your heart feels happy, then ride that wave. If your heart feels sad, then ride that wave. But sometimes your heart can manipulate you into a feeling, into a mood longer than you should be in it. I was talking with my wife about this. She said, you know, feelings are like waves. In, in Oklahoma, we don't, have, we don't have an ocean. We have an Arkansas River. We have, you know, we got some lakes. And we see like little waves on the river, little waves on the lake when it's windy. But in the ocean, when there's a wave, these surfers, they will get out in the ocean, they'll sit and they will watch and they will wait for a wave. And it's pretty spectacular to watch. They will sit in the water. And I've seen these guys, I remember sitting on the beach for like hours just watching these surfers. I thought it was so fascinating. They were, they were in the ocean and they would wait for their wave. 
and there would be a wave that comes by that you would think they're going to get on that wave. They're going to get on that wave. But they would watch it. It would go by. Then another one, then another one, then another one. And they would sit in the water until finally their wave came. And when they, when they got on that wave, they would ride it as long as they wanted to. They were in control of when they got on the wave and how long they stayed on the wave. So sometimes they might stay on the wave for like two seconds, and then they would dodge back into the water and jump on another wave. Sometimes they would ride the wave all the way to the beach. And I was watching, I was thinking, they are in control of which wave they get on and how long they stay on the wave. In the same way, I'm in control of which feelings I entertain and how long I entertain those feelings. And it's my responsibility to choose when it's time to get off the wave. Like when my father passed away, I was riding a wave of sadness for a while. And people would come up to me and they say, man, are you okay? How can I help you get in a better mood? And to be honest, I was like, there's not much you can do. I'm just I'm sad. I'm missing my dad. And, and it's okay to feel the, 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 the wave of grief, the mood of sadness when you're walking through something that's painful, when you lose a loved one, when you go through a, a painful uh, relational situation or something at home and marriage and family. It's okay to have those moods. But we shouldn't be riding that wave for such a permanent state where we never make it back to the place of joy, where we never make it back to that sustainable place of peace. You know, like, the, like on September 11th, um, 2001, when there was a terrorist attack, it caused a wave of anxiety to hit Americans. Y'all remember that when there was like anthrax and people were afraid? Um, and, and, and in a moment, it's okay to feel afraid. Like when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus, they felt afraid for a moment. But then Jesus calmed them and he said, peace be still. It's okay to feel a wave at a certain moment, but don't stay on that wave longer than you should. Don't live in a mood of anxiety or depression don't allow the feelings to dictate how long you're going to last. Did anyone ever see that movie Groundhog Day? You guys remember that? And on Groundhog Day, he had to keep reliving the same day over and over and over. It was frustrating. That movie was putting me in a bad mood. I was like, when is he going to get out of this day? But the point of the movie was he had to keep living that day until he figured out the thing he needed to change. Some of us are reliving hurts and wounds and seasons of frustration until we figure out how to master our moods. And you can't graduate to another season until you figure out how to take control of your attitude and your moods. Here's, here's the other thing is when you're in a bad mood, it causes you to miss out on so much that God has for you. Being in the wrong mood can cause you to miss opportunities that God has for you. Being in the wrong mood could cause you to miss out on the favor that God has for you. When I'm in a bad mood, I'm not positioned for blessings. I'm not positioned for favor. Like if someone wanted to bless you, but you're just carrying like a bad attitude, a bad mood, it causes you to miss out on the blessing they want to bring. Being in the wrong mood can cause me to not be a good witness to other people. When I'm in a bad mood and I'm out to eat and God wants me to like witness or minister to a waitress or a waiter or someone in the restaurant... That bad mood causes me to miss out on opportunities to be a witness, whether I'm at Walmart or a restaurant or Quick Trip. A bad mood causes you to miss opportunities to show compassion. A bad mood causes you to miss opportunities to bring healing and salvation to people around you. A bad mood causes you to miss out on precious moments with your kids, with your spouse, even in church. When you're in a bad mood, you can't even listen to a sermon. You're like, I'm in such a bad mood. Paul's making me in a worse mood because he's talking about moods. So I'm leaving church right now. When I'm in a bad mood, I, I disengage from things that God's called me to engage in. 
like, I don't even want to go to the party. I'm just not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. How many of y'all have ever said that before? I'm not in the mood. 10 of y'all going to be honest in this church service. <laughs> There's been moments where I've walked into church and even Ashley has said something. She's like, Ooh, do you feel that? I'm like, yeah. She's like, they're in a mood this morning. Like 11 a.m. service is just in a mood. They're in a mood. They got the energy. They got the excitement. You feel the lean in. in the, but then there's been other times where I've been in a service and people are in a mood. And they're like, I don't know if they want to, I don't know if I can preach to them right now. I feel like they're about to throw tomatoes at me or something. Like they're angry this morning. They're frustrated. Someone cut them off in traffic or, or something bad happened or something in the news has got them all stirred up. Moods can set the atmosphere of a house, can set the atmosphere of a church service, can set the atmosphere of your workplace. Have you ever felt it when your boss or your supervisor is in a bad mood and how it affects you and the rest of the team? You're just like, ah, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to. That mood not only affects you, it affects everyone around you. A bad mood causes you to miss out on being God's healing hands and heart to the people around you. A bad mood can cause you to lose a job. I've seen it even here in our church where someone came in with a bad mood over and over and over. And then they just, like a bad mood just kind of starts to no, have no filter. And you just start saying whatever you want to say, yelling at people. And, and I remember, you know, this happened with someone and the supervisor said, we're going to transition you into a new season of unemployment here and employment somewhere else. You know, we say it really pretty in the church. Like we don't say you're fired. We just say transition is happening. <laughs> and uh, why did you guys fire me? Because your mood is constantly toxic to the rest of the organization. Your mood can affect your employment, can affect promotions that God has for you. Like your boss might want to promote you. God may want to promote you. You've been doing everything right, but the only problem is you got a bad mood and you carry it with you. And it starts affecting your opportunities. And people are like, I just don't know if we can trust you because you're constantly, like one day you're happy, next day you're angry and irritated and mean and ticked off at everybody. And we don't know what to, like which side of you we're gonna see today. A mood can affect so many things. A bad mood can cause you to reflect poorly on your past and have no, no hope for your future. But the good news is that God has a formula for us to live with victory over our moods. So my question for you is who or what is affecting your mood. Who or what? This is a good question to ask yourself. David asks himself this in Psalm 42. Um, we're going to turn there together, the moody guy, Psalm 42, verse 5. And he asks himself this question. He says, um, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why am I in a bad mood? Why, why am I in the mood that I'm in today? Who or what has affected my mood? <laughs> And I want you to be honest with yourself. Who or what has affected your mood? Like what does, what does put you in a bad mood? When someone ignores you? When someone doesn't text back? When someone doesn't call you back? When someone disrespects you? When someone doesn't thank you for what you did for them? When, when you don't get your coffee in the morning? Some of y'all are like, that's it. That's, that's the answer right there. I should have had coffee this morning. I would be in a better mood First coffee, right? When your kids are being whack, y'all know what I'm talking about? When your kids are just kind of being crazy, like just, they're just putting you in a mood. When your kids are asking you a thousand questions over and over, when they want to play baby shark nonstop. Um, when your boss or your coworkers just are getting on your nerves. Anyone have like roommates? You just sometimes 
just kind of getting on your nerves. When you spill something that stains your shirt, stains your pants, when the barbecue sauce falls down, when someone knocks the cup off the table and the water falls on you and the ice get, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When, when you stain a brand new dress, brand like nice shirt, something you're like, ah, my day is not going well. Just because you have a bad day doesn't mean you have to have a bad week. Just because you have a bad moment doesn't mean you have to let it get you in a bad mood. Just because something bad happens doesn't mean you have to stay in a wave of a bad mood. When you're late to work, when other people are late to a meeting that you plan, when traffic is bad, when you don't get enough sleep, some of these things can be fixed practically, but some of these things are out of your control. So who or what is putting you in this bad mood? And then the next question to ask is, if they are putting you in a bad mood, why have you given the keys to your heart to somebody else? Why have you delegated the title deed of your mood to somebody else? Why is someone or something, why are your dogs in charge of your mood? Oh, if my dogs would just learn how to pee outside the house, if they would stop pooping in the house, if my babies would just learn how to be grown-ups, <laughs> you've delegated your mood to a three-year-old. They don't know what they're doing. I, like, I have a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a zero-year-old now. And y'all, sometimes I'm like, man, if these, like, if this, you know, but then I got to remember, they're not in charge of my mood. Wouldn't it be weird if I sat down with all five kids and I said, you guys are in charge of making daddy happy every single day. They'd be like, I, we don't know what to do. How do we do that? Figure it out, you know? <laughs> and we've delegated our mood to people, to animals, to, to traffic, to situations. If President Biden would just do what I want him to do, if people would just get the vaccine, if people just wouldn't get the vaccine, why'd you get the vaccine? Why does it matter who got the vaccine or who didn't get the vaccine? That's not your responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. Your mood is your responsibility. Your emotions are your responsibility. Well, you don't understand, Paul. God has delegated me to get offended at everybody who does get the vaccine or who doesn't get the... And I'm telling you, this vaccine stuff, I mean, people are just getting divided. And people are losing their cool, and their moods are changing based on what the government's going to do. We're coming door to door. You're not coming to my door. You come to my door, you're going to meet my gun, right? And like we're, people are just getting angry, and people are offended at every little thing. And y'all, we've got to get control of our moods and our emotions, because if we don't, we could be spending years in jail over dumb decisions we made in a bad mood. Your mood actually determines your behavior. It really does. This is why Solomon said, guard your heart because every decision you make is flowing from it. Every decision you make. I'm not, no, no, none of my decisions are made from, no. Everything you do flows from your heart. You may not like to hear that, but I'm telling you, it's true. That's why the music you listen to, the movies you watch, the stuff you meditate on, the feed, like how is your feed? Because your feed, what's going on inside your soul is going to start coming out of your life. 
You'll start acting out those things that you've been thinking about, that you've been feeling, you've been meditating on. It always starts in the heart. It always starts in the attitude. The mood begins to affect. And I've been watching the Olympics. Anyone been watching the Olympics? And, and they were saying, they said that um, the coaches said, the mental and emotional health of our athletes is just as important as their physical health because their moods actually dictate their performance. If our athletes are in a good mood and they're mentally and emotionally strong, they perform way better. But when they are in a bad mood, when they are in a, a, a stressful, irritated mood, they actually perform worse. Their mood and mental and emotional health is so important, they will spend hours a day focusing just on the mind and the emotions to make sure their athletes are in the right mental space. They'll make sure that they're not irritated with family members. They'll, they'll, they'll take care, they'll, they'll send them to counseling, make sure they're prepared for this big Olympic event. If Olympians are spending that much time focusing on their mood, I think Christians need to spend that much time focusing on what's getting you in a bad mood. Why is it affecting you? And when we do that, when we decide to start guarding our hearts, we take ownership of what's going on on the inside. I wanna give you real quickly five ways to master your mood, five ways to get out of a bad mood. Number one, you gotta think your way out of it. Paul said in Philippians four, verse eight, think on thoughts that are praiseworthy, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You cannot change your mood without changing your thoughts. Your thoughts will change your mood. You think a certain way and you start feeling a certain way. If you start thinking, nobody likes me. They cut me, they did that on purpose. The, the, everything's going wrong. When I start thinking on those negative thoughts, I start feeling a certain way. When I start meditating and entertaining thoughts that aren't praiseworthy, it puts me in a mood. And that mood could cause me to do things that, that I shouldn't do. So if I'm gonna change that mood, I gotta change my thought. I gotta think my way out of it. Did anyone ever see the movie Hook, like the Peter Pan grown-up movie, Robin Williams? There's this moment in the movie where he has forgotten how to fly. He's stressed out. He's grown up. He's losing his hair. He's lost his happiness. He's angry at his kids. He's constantly, you know, yelling at his wife, and he's just, he's, he's not a nice guy. And he ends up in Neverland, and there's this moment uh, halfway through the movie where they say, if you're going to fly, you got to think happy thoughts. And he hasn't thought any happy thoughts in a long time. But all of a sudden, he closes his eyes, and he starts to remember a happy thought from his childhood. When he remembers that thought, all of a sudden, he starts to fly. I remember seeing that and thinking, that's what happens when believers fix their thoughts on what is true. When we get our minds renewed, you cannot be transformed in your life without the renewing of your mind. But if I will renew my mind, I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to think a happy thought. Think a praiseworthy thought. Think a, a, a good thought. Maybe it's a thought of you um, having a great memory with your family. Maybe it's a thought of you getting a big hug from a great friend or your dad or your mom. Or maybe it's a thought of a great conversation you had with someone that was just so good. And, and, and that happy thought right there, just hold on to it for a second. Hold on to that great thought. Now, open your eyes. When we think on good thoughts, it changes our mood. When I'm in a bad mood, I need to get my thoughts fixed on something that's good. I remember hearing this, um, this interview from a, a, a celebrity. John Mayer had just left Los Angeles. He had moved to Montana. and He had written all these songs that had become real famous and 
And then all of a sudden, these tabloids just started attacking him for all the, you know, dumb decisions he made. And so people were saying all kinds of mean stuff about him. And he decided to move away to the mountains, turn off all electricity, like all technology, all connection to social media. And he spent over a year in the wild in Montana. And he said, I just need to be in a state of arrested development. I got to work on me and I've got to stop, you know, living a life that I was living. Like he realized he was making bad decisions. He was overwhelmed by stuff that people had said. He was overwhelmed by decisions he had made that he regretted. And after a year and a half in the mountains, he went and did an interview. And um, the person who was interviewing him said, what, what did you learn uh, about yourself? What did you learn about this season where you pulled away? And he said this. I thought this was really, this was really good, what he said. He said, celebrities will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars on security. They will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on gates, big, big fences, big walls to block anyone's view from seeing their yard or their swimming pool. He said they'll pay hundreds of thousands of dollars on alarm systems and panic rooms and all kinds of stuff to protect them. But then every morning they wake up and they get on their computer and they read the most horrible reviews that people leave overnight about their music or their movies. And when they start reading these reviews and these words that people are saying about them, they forfeit all the security that they paid for because now they just let anyone right through the front door of their heart and it affects them. And he said, this is why so many celebrities don't make it and commit suicide and have mental health issues and emotional health issues and, and never really do become a healthy, mature adult. It's because they didn't know how to master and guard their heart. You can't guard something that you don't own. Our society has this language where it's always somebody else's fault of what's going on in our heart. So we blame other people for the mood that we're in or, or how our emotions feel. Well, Paul, they just made me feel that way. He just put me in a bad mood. It's their fault. They're the ones that, that, that made me feel this way. But, but if I'm not owning something, then I'm not really guarding it. If I don't take ownership of my mood and my emotions, then how can I guard it? Like if you were to take a gate and place it on someone else's front yard in South Tulsa or North Tulsa or West Tulsa, if you just went out in someone's yard, put a gate there and stood in front of it and said, I'm guarding this yard, the owner of the house would come out and say, get your gate off my yard. They would probably have an emoji like this guy up here who has, well, not, not this guy. Go back to the, the mood swings background. You know that one emoji where it's got all this stuff across the mouth up there? And I'm pretty sure he's saying a bad word. We don't know what word he's saying. That's how someone would, they'd be like, get your gate off my yard. This is not your yard. This is my yard. You can't guard something you don't own. But once you take ownership of your mood and say, my mood is my responsibility. My heart is my responsibility. I own my emotions. I am not going to delegate my mood to anybody else. I'm taking ownership of it. Now I can start changing my mood because I'm in charge of it. I can start changing my emotions because I'm not waiting for someone else to apologize to make me feel better. Now I'm taking ownership to say, you know what? Whether they say sorry or not, I'm in charge of me. I'm in charge of my heart. Whether they say something kind or not, I'm gonna start thinking praiseworthy thoughts. Number two, you gotta talk yourself out of it. You gotta talk yourself. I want the keys to come up. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that helps us get out of a bad mood is by speaking words of life, speaking words of hope. Matthew 15, verse 11, Jesus said, it's not what comes into your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. What comes out of your mouth actually affects your heart. It affects your feelings. 
If I say certain things, I start feeling certain things. Some of us in this room, we might say, well, Paul, I just got to say what I feel. I just got to say what's on my mind. I, I got if if it, to get it off my chest. But if you insist on saying whatever you feel, you will eventually feel whatever you say. So if I, if I insist, I've got to say, this is, this is how I feel. I've got to say it. But the more I say it, the more I start to feel it. You said what you felt, but now you're feeling what you said. So you start feeling these, these thoughts and these emotions and this mood based on what you're saying. Ah, they, they never care about me. You never do this. You always do that. And I start feeling what I'm saying. What you feel is a result of what you said. Because out of the mouth, right, out of what I speak, you will eat the words that you speak. This is Proverbs. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, move, will be cast. Whatever you say, your words have power. Paul said, we believe and therefore we speak. So what words are you releasing over your future? What words are you releasing over your mood? What words are you releasing over other people? When you talk negative, you start feeling negative. When you complain about stuff, you start being in a complaining mood all the time. When you always say whatever's on your mind about yourself, about others, you just, you create a mood in the room. You're bringing a mood into the atmosphere. What if we started bringing a better mood? What if we started speaking more life? What if you woke up in the morning and instead of walking and looking in the mirror and going, ah, what if you looked in the mirror and you said, good morning, good looking. It's a good day to be alive. I'm looking thinner. My hair's growing. I'm looking stronger. I'm more than a conqueror. My best days are right in front of me. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. What if you started talking yourself into a good mood? We talk ourselves into a bad mood all the time. What if we started talking ourselves into a good mood? This is why every week at church we have a victory confession. Because you can't live a positive life with a negative mouth. You can't walk in victory if you talk in defeat. You can't bring joy and hope to a culture if you constantly are talking negative everywhere you go. You gotta change your words. You gotta speak life. My dad used to walk into, uh, down hallways in our, in our school and he would just say, hey, mighty man of God. Hey, mighty man of God. You're gonna do great things this week. God has so much potential for you. God's not finished with my, my dad was constantly like just bringing a good mood to the room. What if you stopped talking about everything that's wrong with America this week and you took one week to stop complaining about our president and the vaccines and you just started talking good stuff? Like you spent one week just using positive words with your family, your coworkers. What if just one week you took a week off negative talk? You took a week off gossip. You took a week off slander. You took a week off all the complaining and what's wrong with our nation and what's wrong with everybody else. What if for one week you just spoke life? I guarantee you would be in a better mood and everyone connected to you would be in a better mood. It changes your mood. Number three, you gotta thank your way out of it. One of the best ways to get out of a bad mood is to think about what you have to be grateful for. Finding something to be grateful for shifts the mood. It swings the mood in the right direction. This is why David asked himself in Psalm 42 verse five, he said, why my soul are you downcast? Why am I so disturbed? Why am I in a bad mood? I don't know why David was in a bad mood. He had reasons, though. I mean, he was being chased by his father-in-law with spears. And, and, and his wife, Michael, didn't like the way he worshiped, the way that he, he loved God. And then his own father, Jesse, had forgotten about him. 
didn't, didn't always recognize him as one of the sons. And, and he had brothers who accused him of, of pride and arrogance. I mean, David had reasons to be in moods. But David took ownership. He was able to change his mood because he owned his heart. And he would ask himself, why are you in a bad mood, David? Put your hope in the Lord. Put your, remember what God has done. He said this in verse 6. My soul is downcast. I'm in a bad mood. But I will remember the goodness of God. And I will remember what God has done in the mountaintops of my life. I will remember how he plucked me from the shepherd's fold. I will remember how he pulled me out of the valley of despair. I'll remember Psalm 23 when I'm living in Psalm 42. I'll remember Psalm chapter 7 when I'm living through Psalm 51. David was saying, there's days that are hard. Days that I made dumb decisions and I'm reaping the consequences. Days that other people said mean stuff and I'm in a rough mood, but I'm not going to let my mood determine the rest of this season. I'm going to remember the goodness of God. What if you started thanking your way out of a bad mood? How many of you guys in this room have something to be thankful for? You got breath in your lungs. You got hands. You got arms. You got feet. You got eyes. You got ears. Who gave that to you? Is he worthy of your praise? You got something to be thankful for. Why don't you take five or ten seconds just to give thanks to God this morning. Just get yourself in a better mood. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Anytime I'm complaining, I just need to pause in the middle of my day and say, hold on. I got way more to be thankful for than I do to complain about. I'm blessed. I am blessed. I'm blessed to live in this nation. I'm blessed to come to Victory Church. I'm so thankful for you. I really am thankful for you. Y'all are the best church in the whole world. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here. I wouldn't want to be with anyone else but you guys. And I just count it an honor that I get to serve as your pastor. I count it an honor that you, you give here. You could give to any other ministry in the world. You give to Joyce Myers. You give to Andy Stanley or Craig Grosch. You could give to Life Church. You could give to any other ministry out there. But many of you in this room, you sacrifice, you give to victory. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I want to say thank you to my mom for raising me. Because now that I'm raising kids, I just have so much more gratitude for my mom raising me. <laughs> Just changing dirty diapers. Mom, thank you for putting up with my dirty diapers. And, and, and you know, there's just so many people in my life I want to say thank you to. I would rather be embarrassingly grateful than snobbishly entitled. I think entitled people, they always have bad moods. Because it's like you always got somebody that's making you upset. I think a spirit of entitlement and, and narcissism leads to just a constant bad mood life. But when you start just saying, God, man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I don't deserve your grace. You've been so good. It just puts you in a better mood. Humility puts you in a better mood. Gratitude puts you in a better mood. Number four, get your eyes off yourself and look to help others around you. When I start looking to help other people, and I start going, man, who could I text? Who could I encourage right now? Who can I send an emoji to right now? You know? I'm gonna send an emoji to Cameron Benjamin right now. Just, I just sent him a smiley face and hands up. I'm a big emoji guy. By the way, you can see your most frequently used emojis right here. 
Some of you guys, it's the angry face. Some of y'all, it's the, it's the happy face. For some of you, it's the heart eyes. You got the heart eyes for somebody. And, and for some of you, it's, it's, it's the upside down. I always send the upside down face, just like, what's going on right now? I don't know what any of these emojis mean. I'm sorry. Just sending, <laughs> Cameron's texting me back right now. We're just having some encouragement right here in the search. You can have a whole emoji conversation with people. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> but, but, you know, when I start looking for people that I can love on and encourage, you know, Grand Grand's here, and she looks great this morning, and she's... 97 years young, and when my father passed away, she said, Paul, I know you lost your dad, and I, I, I feel the pain that you and John, Sarah, Ruthie are going through. She said, but it hits different when it's your child, when, when your child goes before you go. And she was in a lot of pain, and she may not remember this, but she was talking to me. This was months after my dad had passed. It hadn't been a year, and she said, it's... It's hard when your kid goes before you go. But she said, I have a purpose, and I can't stay in this place of depression or sadness. I've got to get up, and i got to keep on helping other people because there's other people who lost kids too, and they need what I can give them. They need the encouragement. One of the best ways to get out of a bad mood is to shift your eyes off of your pain and look for ways to help other people through their pain because there's something healthy. When I start helping other people through their pain, maybe you had a miscarriage, maybe you walked through a divorce, maybe somebody left you, maybe you lost your dad, maybe you lost your son, and you can stay in a bad mood the rest of your life. You can be angry at God, angry at your family. You're, in, you're, you're, you're allowed to do whatever you wanna do, but you'll miss out on so much that God has for you if you do. Once you decide, I've got more life to live, I can't ride this wave for another year, I've been riding this wave for months and it's time to hop off. I'm in charge of my mood, I'm in charge of my emotions, I've grieved long enough. Jesus wept and then Jesus moved on. Jesus cried for Lazarus and then he moved into his purpose. Whatever you need to cry about, let your tears, let it, let it have it but then move forward in who you need to bring hope to, who you need to bring healing to. I wanna look at one more passage with you. It's in 2 Samuel 12, and then we'll close out with worship. I want the band to come up, 2 Samuel 12, and um, verse 16, David had made some mistakes. These were big mistakes. It was, it was adultery, it was murder. I mean, he, he missed it um, <laughs> pretty big time. And his pastor, Nathan, came to him privately and said, David, you made some mistakes and you're gonna suffer the consequences for them. Nonetheless, God still loves you. God still has a plan for you. God's not finished with your legacy. And how you respond to your sin is even more important than you feeling guilty about it. And so David repented in brokenness and he, he confessed his sins to the Lord and he was broken about it. And then he finds himself in this place where his, his baby is dying. In verse 16, it says, David began to plead with the Lord for his child. Bathsheba had gotten pregnant, she had a baby, and, and, and David is praying, Lord, please let this baby live, but the baby's dying. And night after night, it says in verse 16, David laid down in sackcloth and ashes. He would publicly humiliate himself in a place of just hurt, personal regret, personal hurt, 
to the point where people came up to him. It says in verse 17, the elders of his own household stood beside him. They tried to lift him up, but he said, no, no, I don't want anyone around. Have you ever been in a mood where you just didn't want to be around anybody? You're just like, I just need some time to myself. I just, this is where David was at. He was like, I, I can't get up. He was in a mood and his mood was so rough, he had lost an appetite. He couldn't even eat any food. Have you ever been in such a, a, a sad mood where you'd lost your appetite, you couldn't eat? Yeah, I've been there before. I like where I was just like, man, I can't even eat. My heart hurts so much. The Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. This isn't a message where I'm saying you always got to be happy-go-lucky every day and you can never have a bad feeling. I'm saying when you are in one of those moods, just know that God is close to you in that mood. God is close to your pain. He understands it more than anyone. And God's saying, let me help you through this because I don't want you to get stuck permanently in this bad mood. So here David is, seven days, seven nights, weeping, angry, no food, no relationship, no community, all by himself, isolated. But on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was living, David's mood wouldn't even let himself listen to us. He was in such a mood, he didn't even want to talk to us. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. What if he takes his own life? What if he takes our lives? And, you know, when you're in a bad mood, you could do, do crazy stuff. And David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized that his child was dead. And he asked them, is my child dead? And they said, yes, he's dead. And David got up from the ground. Watch how David swings his mood here. He goes from a place of total hurt, pain, anger, frustration, personal disappointment. And all of a sudden, he starts getting himself up. No one gets David up except for himself. No one can get you up but you. It's not your wife's job to get you in a good mood. It's not your husband's job. You got to take ownership of your mood because everyone in the world could give you compliments, could, could pay for your counseling, could pay for you to go to a good school, could fix all the complaints you have, but you are in charge of getting yourself out of that bad mood. You're in charge of getting yourself up from that place of depression. So David gets up. He gets up and watch what he does next. He washes himself. He washes his face. There's something good about just a good face wash where you just get all this stuff and you get all the dirt particles off your face and all the sweat. He starts washing his face. He starts washing his body. There was something symbolic. He was, he was allowing himself to be washed of his sin. He had repented and now he was receiving the washing of the mercy of God. Isn't it great when a sinner repents and a sinner finds mercy? Anyone in the room thankful for the mercy of God? I want you to think about this. If you were the one who sinned and you needed mercy, and you were saying, man, I, I've been there before where I felt so bad for something I said or did. By the way, sin is sin in God's eyes. And so either, either what you did or what someone did to you, and it's put you in a mood. Here David is, and his mood is changing because he's receiving the mercy of God. That's what God wants to give you. He wants to give you a mood swing in the right direction. So here David begins to wash. He puts on lotion on his body. Thank God for lotion. Thank you, Jesus. Then he begins to change his clothes. Some of you need to change out of that, that wardrobe of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. David starts changing his clothes. When you've been wearing clothes 
that you carried hurt in, that you carried pain in, it's good to put on a new shirt. Then he goes into the house of the Lord and he begins to worship. My fifth point here is you got to praise your way out of a bad mood. You got to praise your way out of a bad mood. You got to praise your way out of depression. You got to praise your way out of anxiety. You got to praise your way out of the victim mentality. You got to begin to praise the name of the Lord. So David goes into the house of the Lord. The only people who would go into the house of the Lord back then were people who knew that they were in right standing with God. The only reason David knew he was in right standing wasn't because he was a perfect man, but because he repented and received the mercy of God. Listen, when you come into this house, you come with your sin, you come with your baggage, but you leave forgiven, redeemed, restored. You leave with the mercy of God. David begins to worship. After he worships, he goes back to his own house. And he says, I'm ready to eat. The fact that David was ready to eat mean his mood had changed. He said, bring out the steak, bring out the chicken, bring out the blooming onion, bring out the Caesar salad, bring out the chips and queso. It's time to eat. And I can already hear the religious people in the room. He shouldn't eat. He should stay in a depressed mood. He made mistakes. You've made mistakes too. How long do you want to live in your punishment? How long? Listen, there are, there are waves that you feel for the pain that you caused or the pain that, that was caused against you. And then you got to choose to get up and move forward because there's life to be lived and there's purpose. So David eats and his attendants come to him and they said, why are you eating? Why are you enjoy Why are you worshiping? Why are you praising? You used to be sad. You used to be in a bad mood. By the way, some people won't understand why your mood changed for the better, but it is not your job to explain yourself of why you're in a better mood. It's because God is doing something fresh in your heart. There are some people who won't understand why you're joyful now after you walk through the pain of a divorce or the pain of what people caused you or unemployment or someone lost you. And like, listen, there's some people that want you to stay in a negative mood the rest of your life because they have more control over you when you're in a bad mood. They have, more, they have more control over you when you're sad. Once you get happy, once you take ownership of your heart, you become the most powerful person in the room. So David walks in, he says, y'all aren't in charge of my heart, so I don't have to explain it, but I'll tell you this. When the kid was still alive, I did everything I could to save his life. Once he passed away, I can't bring him back to life. But someday, grand grand, someday I will be reunited with my dad. Someday you'll be reunited with the people you lost. Someday there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. Someday we'll be up there. In the meantime, while I'm here, I'm not gonna live with a constant moody, depressed attitude. I'm moving forward. So David went back home and he had another kid. And this kid's name was Solomon. And God loved Solomon and God gave David a friend fresh start and God still kept his promise to David even after his mistake. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. Here's what I'm trying to say. When you begin to focus on praising God, you stop dwelling on all your regrets, all your mistakes. Thinking about your bad mistakes isn't going to make you a better person, but thinking about the goodness of God Dwelling on what's wrong in the world is not going to make you in a better mood. But once you get your heart and your mind fixed on the goodness of God, the grace of God, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Think on thoughts that are praiseworthy. Think on thoughts that are excellent, that are true, that are noble. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want us to close our eyes all over this place. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to shift the atmosphere. But I want to pray for anyone 
where the enemy has been messing with your mood. The enemy has been messing with your stable mood. It's like you've, you've, you've felt a roller coaster lately. You've had some things come against you. Maybe you've had some feelings, some thoughts. Maybe you've just been having, having a, a tough season. I don't know what's going on, but I know this. God cares about your soul. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your stability. He cares about your peace. He cares about you getting good sleep. He cares about you being able to step into those opportunities and the favor and the blessings and the promotions. And he's saying, I want you to get your heart back, get your mood back, get your mind back, take control of your emotions. So I don't know who this is for right now, but if that's you and the enemy's been messing with your emotions and you are ready to get that back, you're ready to master your mood, I want you to lift your hand up all over this room. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, if you just need joy, you just need to get that sustainable joy, that peace back. You need to stop being an overthinker, anxious about so much. You just need to get your thoughts in alignment with God's word for your life. If you raised your hand or you need prayer today, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join us at this altar. And let's just begin to worship the Lord. Let's take a few minutes just to fix our focus. Go ahead, all over this room, let's begin to praise God. Yeah, let's begin to lift up God. Let's begin to dwell on His goodness, His favor.
as we were singing, I was reminded of, <laughs> this, is, this is funny, but I just felt like the Lord uh, was reminding me of that, that song uh, from Sister Act 2, when the kids start singing, Oh Happy Day. And, and it's like the whole room changes because it starts off real sad and, you know, like they're sad about stuff, but then he starts singing, Oh Happy Day, Oh Happy Day, when Jesus was. When Jesus, washed, oh, when Jesus washed, he washed my sins away. Oh, happy day. Come on, church. Oh, happy day. Happy day. There's, there's power in praise when you start praising God. Like there's moments when, when I'm starting to feel discouraged and I'll just put on a praise song. I'll put on, whether it's Oh Happy Day or Joyful Joyful or, you know, Raise a Hallelujah. There's certain songs that I just, it's like an anthem of praise. Like, all right, all right. It was a, it was a rough morning. <laughs> it was a rough moment, but I'm gonna get through this. And you begin to praise your way out of that bad mood. You begin to worship your way out of that bad mood. There's something powerful about praise and worship. It literally changes. It's a weapon against discouragement. It's a weapon against the, the enemy of fear, anxiety. And I'm telling you, you guys remember that song in the 90s that Daryl Evans wrote called Trading My Sorrows? Y'all remember that? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Where, where's like the 90s Christians at? Y'all remember? <laughs> Do we know that song? 
Can we, can we finish on a praise song? I just want to finish on like an upbeat song here. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And I'm telling you, yeah. Isn't that just getting you in a better mood? Just praise. <laughs> Do we know the lyrics? Do you know the song? Go ahead, Sam. I don't know all the words. You got it. I'm straight in my sorrows. world that we live in. Our faith is fed by praise and worship by the Word of God as we meditate that Word, as we think about that Word, as we take that Word over our feelings. I've said this many, many, many times, but after my husband died, it was my faith that enabled me to overcome. And so faith, I really have walked through this thing of faith. I know faith enables every person to move beyond their feelings and to move in obedience and to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have to have faith in this day that we're living in. Faith believes when we do something that, that God is there with us, that He's for us and that He's gonna work in the midst of it all. And so we have to believe God right now in our nation as well as in our own personal lives. Faith believes and speaks, speaks what God says, not what we feel, 
not what circumstances look like. And then we have to be led by His Spirit. We have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and be led by that Spirit because He's going to lead us sometimes to do some crazy things, but things that God is saying to our hearts, and He will back us. So we're in this time where praise and worship looks foolish, but praise and worship is our victory overcoming in the midst of this world. So good. Come on, y'all receive that. All right, well, let's do this. Before we dismiss today, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Thank you for giving me joy, peace, grace, hope, love, and a sound mind. I'm all yours, God. Have your way in my mood, in my attitude, in my emotions, in my thoughts. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.